the Saturday show. I'm Jay Catch, carrying you through the roughly, I guess, final hour of the show. We got five minutes of soccer here. It might be a little shortened up, but we're going to be hearing in the three o'clock hour. I guess we'll tease it right now. We're going to hear in the three o'clock hour. BYU head coach Kalani Satake. I spoke with him one on one earlier this week during BYU media availability. You'll hear from that in the next segment. But instead of American football, we're going to talk some actual football for a minute here. Real Salt Lake in action tonight. They are part of MLS's rivalry week this week as they host the Colorado Rapids in leg two of the Rocky Mountain Cup at Rio Tinto Stadium in Sandy tonight. Uh, Kickoff in that match scheduled for 8 o'clock Mountain Time. Of course, you can stream it on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, KMYU will have it on local TV as well as the KSL TV app or KSL.com. So many ways to take it take it in. RSL has an opportunity here to really stay in the upper echelon of the Western Conference in Major League Soccer with a win tonight. They are 12-10-4 on the year. They had a six-match unbeaten streak and a three-match winning streak snapped by a loss to LAFC last week 2-0. Of course, LAFC, far and away the best team in the league this year and one of the all-time teams in my mind when it comes to MLS soccer. But a big opportunity for RSL tonight, no doubt. And we'll see what happens uh, with everything going on tonight. But I know my producer today, Eric, he's got a he's got a keen interest in Real Salt Lake. And Eric, what are your thoughts on this rivalry showdown tonight? Listen, I, I have... I, I, t- I was talking to you about this. Maybe it's just because the Rocky Mountain Cup obviously means a lot to the franchise. Does, yeah. But to me, I, I no longer view the Colorado Rapids as as a rival. Oh, you're over it. Like, we just, we beat them. Hold on. So are you saying are you're a Utah fan? It's like, well, BYU's not our rival anymore. Yeah. We've won eight in a row. Basically. <laughs> okay, okay. I got it. Basically. Like, we have dominated the Colorado Rapids. All right. They aren't. SKC is a much better rival because, as far as standings go, we're always in about the same spot every single year. So we're the same caliber of team. Mm-hmm. But the Colorado Rapids, let's face it, very bottom feeder team in the MLS who can't seem to get their coaching right and haven't really found strikers. And by the way, Tim Howard has been awful this year. Correct. Um, and it is just, it's sad that it's not more of a rivalry. I think. I would be, honestly, it's the same as a Utah fan looking at the BYU game. If they were to lose this game by even a goal Mm -hmm. tonight, like, even draw 0-0, like, that's a disappointment. That's a loss. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think RSL should win this. Uh, Colorado's been more competitive in recent months since that coaching change took place. But, yeah, like you said, they are one of the bottom feeders in the Western Conference. All right, that'll do it for five minutes of soccer. Coming up next, BYU head coach Kalani Sitake will also get up on the hill as well. And coming up at 3.30, we're going to recap what happened in high school football week two as well. So a lot to get to here on the Saturday show coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. I'm Jay Catch. Going solo this final hour. Adrian Lizer on his way up to coach Brighton Bengal Volleyball. 
Best of luck to the Brighton Bengals this year. As I told him in the first hour, I believe, of this of this show, that uh, we are going to be big Brighton Bengals fans this coming season, especially on the women's volleyball side of things. What, a, what do you mean, what a traitor? What a traitor. He, he, he goes from Skyline to Brighton. Unbelievable. Well, hey, you go where the paycheck goes. Yeah. Come on. Your, your loyalty travels with that paycheck. What All a right. traitor. Well, you got a, you're a very proud Skyline Eagle in there, apparently. I am a proud Skyline Eagle. I get it. I get it. All right. Well, let's get to some sound. I uh, promised this before the break. Uh, you're going to hear from Kalani Satake, BYU football head coach. I was down on site for BYU's final scrimmage of fall camp. They're officially in game week prep mode. We are just five days away from the rivalry game on Thursday night there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium as BYU and Utah square off. Had a chance to talk to Coach Satake for just a couple of minutes, get his thoughts on the end of fall camp officially, but then also some of his thoughts on facing the University of Utah as this is a guy who has played in the rivalry as a player for BYU, coached for the University of Utah for a decade, and now the head coach at BYU. He's coached on both sides of it and also just grew up rooting for the Cougars in this rivalry as well. So let's get to it. This is my conversation earlier this week with BYU head coach Kalani Satake right here on the Zone Sports Network. How do you feel this team has come together? Oh, I'm loving it. I, I, I mean, this has been a, such a cool thing for me to see as a coach, and uh, I've mentioned it before how, how our players have really taken ownership, mm-hmm. you know, and voiced their opinions on a lot of different things and, and given me a lot to think about as I started planning um, back in the offseason and after the bowl game. And so it's been a lot of fun putting it together and have their feedback has been so cool. They've been open to feedback as well, so... That's a great part about it is that our players are uh, given the, the autonomy to say what they want, even if it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's, it's good for us to, to let them speak and for us to hear it. And there's some things that they want that I thought, well, that doesn't really do any good. And um, it just shows you how old I'm getting in the generation gap. But uh, this, this generation is different than ours. And so it would be important for me to adapt to how they learn, adapt to how they function. I'm amazed at how well they can multitask, and so it's, it's our ability to use their um, generation learning patterns and and uh, help them out. You know, I think it's easy for me to try to coach the same way that I've always coached, but that's never going to work if I want to stay in the game. There's a reason why the NFL is going to really young coaches is because they they're connected to that that generation, and I like to be my connection more than just music. You know, and so. Uh, um, and slang and stuff like that, but I, I think that uh, being able to understand them and how they how they function has been really cool. And a lot of that has to do with just communicating with these guys and having them feel open to to share a lot of their thoughts and feelings. How much of that was you coming in here having that plan, and how much of it has been since you've been here developing that I guess method of coaching? Well, I mean, I, I wish it was faster, right? Because when I played, um, and I sound old when I said back when I played, but. Um, when Lavelle was coaching and, and I was playing for him, we had a staff that was awesome, and they naturally did that. They 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 um, let the coaches let the, let, let the players coach. They let the players have a lot of input in the in the game. I mean, there's times that I would I would run a play into the quarterback and tell him to play, and he would change it in the huddle. And Norm Chow and Lance Reynolds and all the other coaches would be like, "Oh, good call," you know. And so. Um, I think that's a cool thing, man. I, I don't think that we should coach from a pedestal because I think that it's not as effective. And uh, I mentioned to the team that I don't have all the answers, but I think collectively as a unit, as we collaborate and we work together, coaches and players, that uh, we can really get this thing going. And, uh, you know, we're really trying to 
we're trying to push that from from the beginning when we got here. Just it's it's really taken some legs and, and started to really form this year more than the others. But I think the other players in the, in the previous three years that have really tried to make it work. It's just I think it's just really grasped this this group right now. I wanted to talk to you about your memories of the Utah rivalry. You've played mm-hmm. in this rivalry. You've coached in this rivalry. What have been some I guess your biggest memories of it? Um, jeez, the games when I was a a fan, mm-hmm. games as a player, you know, and um, and as a coach, it's weird to the uh, the ten years I spent at the U, you mm-hmm. know, and then also the the times I grew up. So it's like the uh, I've seen both sides and how very similar they are, you know, and that happens when you have great passionate fans and um then when that happens it becomes really highly competitive and fan bases want to win so badly so um i'm just thankful of my role in it and the role that i've had as a fan and as a player and, and as a coach and now as a head coach uh, the situation that we're in and, and the you know just being able to go against great friends that i have on that coaching staff i mean i'm friends with all those guys and and um you know Kyle being a mentor of mine, so it's it's been there's a, a high level of admiration and and respect that I have for them and love, but I still want to win, you know. So that's and I know they feel the same way. That's kind of how we were built. So um, looking forward to a highly competitive game and and uh, and loving the fact that our friendships can still flourish in that type of situation. Last thing for me, you've been a proponent of this game being played every year because you said you grew up in this rivalry, you played in the rivalry, you coached in the rivalry. With it being the first game of the year, is that where you think the ideal slot is for it if you can't have it at the end of the year every year? Oh, I love it. I love it at the beginning. There's a a different sense of urgency uh, knowing that this is the first game. And and I I think that whether people want to admit it or not, it's given our guys a a deeper and uh, a quicker attention you know it's like they're, 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 the intention is so much stronger I'm not saying that the other ones weren't as um, important but it's just cool to have this feeling because now whether we play them or not in the first game next year we have to try to simulate it and try to get this type of feeling again now now that we've gotten to this point and so it's I'm grateful that happened if it was my choice I'd love to have it game one every year but uh, uh, you know we'll, we'll take it however we can one thing that I'm thankful for is that such a competitive and, and a highly ranked team as Utah favored to win the Pac-12, things like that. And they've done an amazing job with that with that group, the coaches and, and the staff. Um, it's, it's, it's made us better already. So um, looking forward to the competition, the, the game, and uh, see what, what, what we can come out of it. But the more important thing is that the preparation that we've had, we've got to do that every year regardless of who the first opponent is. It just happens to be Utah and is helping us this year. Coach, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. There you go. BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. And you heard him say it. He loves this rivalry game. He's a proponent of having it the first game of the year, if at all possible. If he can't have it at the end of the year, obviously. Uh, that change when, of course, the two schools went their separate ways. Utah jumping up to the Pac-12 and BYU going independent. Going on a decade now. It's crazy to think it's been that long already. But that's how it goes. But you heard him talk about it. He feels like this team has really come together. He's liked how he's kind of gone about uh, letting the team teach themselves. He's really kind of gone with this uh, with this self uh 
coaching that these players are doing. There was a practice earlier on in fall camp where they actually the coaching staff opened it completely up to the players what they wanted wanted to do. Uh, they actually made the coaches field punts during that practice. It was kind of a funny thing. You saw some pictures from that. Jeff Grimes and all the offensive coaches trying to field those punts when they shoot them up in the air. It was quite a sight to see, but uh, good to hear from Kalani Satake. You can tell he's excited for this game coming up. It, it's been a long long summer. Uh, fans are at a fever pitch already and we're still five days away from this. Uh, next Thursday is going to be an absolutely fantastic night down there at the Ed as PK likes to call it or Lavelle Edwards Stadium, the formal name for the home of the BYU Cougars. But I'm excited for this game and I can't wait to get it going. Now, uh, I wanted to switch gears and talk uh, about some stuff with Utah. Uh, Patrick Kinahan, who I work with on a daily basis here on the Zone Sports Network, tune into DJ and PK in the morning from 6 to 10 a.m. each day. He was up on the hill uh, and had a chance to speak with Andrew Strau. He is the new kicker for the University of Utah, currently the starting kicker. We'll see if that holds for the rest of the season. But a guy that is going to be very important to what the University of Utah is going to try to do this year. Of course, they've had a stellar run over the past uh, at least six to seven years with guys like Matt Gay uh, kicking the ball for Utah. Well, Andrew Strau is now the starting kicker for for BYU, for Utah, and he's going to have to really step up to the plate and show that he's got the chops as a graduate transfer coming in from UCLA to be the guy to carry on this legacy of strong kicking and punting for the University of Utah. I think Ben Lennon, the punter position's taken care of. Kicker, very much a question mark up on the hill. But PK spoke with Andrew Strau one-on-one, and I wanted to let you guys hear that conversation. So we found out you won the kicking job, huh? Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> so there's still some time left uh, just to lock everything and make sure we're looking good going into next week. So did they make an announcement? How'd you find out? I actually found out after the media did. Um, Coach Witt came into our meeting and said I'd be, uh, as of that day, uh, the kicker. Um, but obviously a lot can change. We've seen that happen in the past, especially at this school. So um, it's a competition every single day. I mean, we have incredible kickers here, so there's you cannot have an off day. It's a consistency. So you obviously know the history then, how Matt Gay didn't win the job and then took it after the first kick and went on is now in the NFL. Is that one of the reasons why you want to come here? Because you're aware the history I knew there was an opportunity and I knew um, how respected the special teams unit is and I wanted to play be a part of that and just be able to come here to the University of Utah where this team it's special teams first and coach Whittle tell you that every, every single day and that's what I loved when I came on my uh, unofficial here um, and I was sold there so yeah so what did they tell you as far as did you just get a shot to compete yeah, that was kind of the, my main thing is I knew with my experience that I'd be able to definitely compete with anybody in the country. So I, I wanted to make sure I picked a spot where um, I'd fit, and uh, I definitely think this is a spot where I fit in. Can I say you handpicked this spot? Is that accurate? It is definitely number one on my list from the beginning of my journey, so I'll say that. Is that largely because you knew Gabe was leaving? I knew I knew he was leaving, and I had reached out to him and talked to him throughout oh, this. Did. Yeah, I actually reached out to him after the season, and then actually I got to kick with him uh, over the summer a few times, so it was um, very beneficial for me to be able to learn and just watch what he does and his his presence. So He was quite the kicker. Uh, Still what, is, yeah. Yeah, what, uh, what did he tell you that you were able to pick up on? Well, he, he's... He definitely has a different approach to kicking than a lot of guys, I'd say, and he's very um, do what feels comfortable to you. And so he's not gonna. He wasn't telling me to force anything that's different. So um, it was just be myself and have fun doing it, and make sure I'm doing everything to the best of my abilities. So it seems like you got a good grasp on it. It's almost. Uh, I don't know if I. I don't know if I can go to this extreme. 
but kicking is almost kick by kick in terms of competition. So it seems like you understand that. Yes, sir. I mean, in the kicking world, we always say it's not your last kick, it's your next kick is, is uh, how well someone should determine you by. So it's always your next kick, not the last one. What do you think your range is? I felt pretty comfortable 55 and in, um, but given a circumstance, I feel like I, I could push it closer to 60. Really? Yeah. I mean, obviously that situation won't come up but um, very often, but um, I, definitely, I definitely feel like I have the leg strength to be consistent from 55. It's just locking it in, making sure that technique and everything stays the same because every kick's the same kick no matter where you are on the field. Any altitude factor into it? Actually, I haven't noticed too much of a difference coming from coming from sea level at UCLA. So I haven't I haven't noticed too big of a difference. But um, I mean, the ball flight's a little different. But uh, distance-wise, I haven't seen too much of a too much of a change. You're a veteran guy, so this opportunity here is pretty sweet for you. Uh, how much do you appreciate the opportunity to seize it? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm, I'm forever grateful to Coach Witt, Coach Shaw, everyone who was involved in this process because bringing in a grad transfer is not easy. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I owe them everything, and they gave me a chance to compete, and hopefully I, I'm going to perform to the best of my abilities and make them proud. You don't get a tune-up. You get the Cougars right off the bat with 64,000 people. I mean, that's got to get you going. Yes, sir. I mean, I've gotten to – fortunately, I've gotten to travel and kick in front of 100,000 people at Texas A&M, Oklahoma, my time at UCLA, and I actually got to play at BYU, um, travel, and be at, just in the atmosphere. Oh, okay. So um, I'm, I've seen it. I know what it is, and uh, – would expect nothing less for them to be loud. So, accurate to say, you feel about as confident as you've ever felt as a kicker. I feel smooth, and that's I think for a kicker, feeling smooth is feeling confident. So yes. Yeah. And how about the expectations, given the fact that you're trying to follow probably the best kicker they've ever had? Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, I would say you can never follow in someone like Matt Gay's footsteps. It's only performing the best of your abilities, and to even be compared slash thrown into the conversation of trying to mm-hmm. be in his footsteps puts a lot of pressure on somebody and um, for me I've learned that you, can, you can't be someone else you have to be yourself um, and have fun with what you're doing and make sure you're locked in focused and enjoying the moment so that's what really what I've been trying to do over the last few weeks. So down there in Westwood they were uh, rebuilding obviously with Chip Kelly they're not rebuilding here and you know not even a little. right every kick is magnified how do you handle that pressure? Like I said earlier, it's it's always your next kick, not your last one. So it's a uh, you have to have very short-term memory as a kicker. So um, I feel like that's that's how I've been able to separate myself over this last week and kind of build my own confidence slash smoothness, as I say. So. And let us know how you officially pronounce your name. Uh, Andrew Strau, Silent C H. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, and you go by Andrew. Yeah. Coach well? calls me Andy though, so. Oh, that's what, that's what <laughs> I was wondering. Yeah, that's that's uh, I didn't know because I've heard. Uh, of, I've I think heard that, him say I think that. that was a Ben Lennon thing. He's uh, he just said Andy one day and it kind of stuck. Oh. So, um, not mad about it. My past three <laughs> coaches have called me Andy, oh, so, okay, so I'm you're used to it. Yeah, I'm kind of used to it at this point. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you and good luck. I appreciate it. All uh, right, there you go, Andrew Strau with Patrick Kinahan and. Interesting. He's already traveled to BYU and been in that environment there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Hasn't necessarily kicked in front of BYU fans, but he'll get his first opportunity Thursday night. And it was interesting to hear him say he thinks his range is all the way out past 50 yards. I um, honestly, I don't expect Utah to kick many 50 yard field goals this year. That's just my take. I think any side inside of 45 is probably the range this year, but. Still interesting to hear him say that he's confident at that 
at that distance. We'll see how it goes for him. He's got this year. He's a graduate transfer from UCLA, so very familiar with the Pac-12, and we'll see how it goes for him this coming season. Uh, I Like I said, after we talked with Kalani Satake, I'm excited for this game. It's coming quick. It's been a long summer. A lot of going back and forth on social media with fans, I've noticed, and it's really just had an uptick in the last couple of days. But should be a lot of fun once things actually kick off Thursday night. All right, we will take a timeout here, come back on the other side. We'll still talk football, but we're going to go to the preps level. We're going to talk what happened in week two of Utah High School football action, some of the standout games, standout players, etc. We'll run all of that down for you next. We are brought to you, our title sponsor on the Saturday show is Stockton 12 Honda. Visit them down there at the Southtown Auto Mall. Great deals on a Honda. Uh, my wife drives a Honda. We love Honda. We're a Honda family, I guess I should say at the Hatch Household and Stockton 12. Proud to have them on board as a title sponsor right here on the Saturday show. So more on more in a minute, high school football recap edition next, right here on The Zone Sports Network. Let's go live! We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend! You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. I'm Jay Catch. Thanks for joining us. Wanted to take a minute here and talk some Utah high school football action. I think it's going to be a staple for us on the Saturday Show this season. We'll kind of recap how each week goes. Uh, prep season two weeks in at this point. Uh, of course, early on in the season, of course, you have a lot of non-region action going on, and I think region play actually begin. The first games will start next week with some of the bigger regions, and of course, that'll kind of continue on. This year, the interesting part about the whole region play is the new aspect of the UHSAA's RPI rankings, where uh, your your performance on the field, the wins will count for part of that RPI rating, the performance of your opponents will also count, and then just the overall strength of your region will help you as well. It's going to make for an interesting season. It's going to be an interesting first year as teams kind of adjust to that. Uh, in many ways, the old region format where region play really counted for a lot is being pushed aside in a way. It's not necessarily gone for good because there will still be rivalries that will be played out on the field. But some of these bigger name teams that play in tougher regions, I'm looking at you, Westlake, in Region 4, and some of you guys in Region 7, etc., it's a big opportunity for teams like that to go out and really kind of stake claim to what they can, what what they're hoping to do uh, this coming season. So, a lot to get to, but let's run down some of the standout performances from this past week. One of the better games is up north. Uh, the battle for the Golden Spike. I believe it's the 99th playing of this game between Box Elder and Bear River. Uh, Parker Buchanan led the Beast to a 54-34 win over the Bears. Throwing for two touchdown passes and running in two more. A big win for Box Elder. The Bees are off to a good start this year. A lot of these teams are really looking to make an impression in the early part of the season and really establish themselves. None more so than Corner Canyon. Uh, They started out the season, of course, on that Thursday night, the first game of the prep season, beating uh, Orem High School. Well, they followed up this past weekend last night with a 31-0 shutout of the Harriman Mustangs. Big showing for Eric Kerr's team. Josh Wilson, of course, the younger brother of BYU quarterback Zach Wilson, had a 46-yard pick six. Austin Bell added two rushing touchdowns to put the game out of reach as Corner Canyon improved to 2-0 on the year. 
Uh, another interesting game kind of in those 5A, 6A showdowns is what's going on uh, with Highland and Pineview. And this was an interesting game because this is two different styles of play. Brody Benson up at uh, Highland, they run that triple option uh, and it'll gash you, plain and simple. It's what it's designed to do. And if you're not defensively sound, they'll go right by you. And Pineview came in, of course. Gary Croton, the former BYU head coach, is the offensive coordinator for the Panthers. I believe McLeod Croton, who is the quarterback for Pineview, is his grandson. That's why he's coaching there. And in the first week, they lost a 58-56 uh, shootout to Ridgeline. And then they came north to face off against Pineview. Uh, not Pineview. They, Pineview went up to face uh Highland, and it was an interesting just contrast of styles in that game because you looked at, okay, we have a high-flying offense for Pineview going up against one of the better triple option teams in the state. Well, the results might be a little bit surprising for most people. Highland 52, Pineview 35. Usmane Dumbia scored two touchdowns, while Ben Bourne, Nathan Johnson, and Nephi Hosea also scored rushing touchdowns for the Rams in that win. But McLeod uh, Croton, in his own right, Another five passing touchdowns. He's off to a flying start this season. He's going to throw for all kinds of yards. His grandfather, if I'm not mistaken, Gary Croton, of course, no stranger to high-flying offenses. And it should make, should make for an interesting season at Pineview in terms of the offensive side of the ball. But they have now given up in th- this season 110 points in two games. An average of 55 points given up per game. That's not necessarily the way you want to go about it. You want to have a little bit of defense to balance out what's going on with your offense. Another big game in state in the upper upper echelons of high school football was Lone Peak and Jordan squaring off. The Knights traveling north to Sandy to square off against the Beat Diggers. Lone Peak scored early and often, scoring 38 points in the first half. J.D. Nealman passed for four touchdowns at quarterback for the Knights. Sean Wood caught two of them as Jordan down as Lone Peak down Jordan 38-13. to So Interesting outcome there. I think that it's going to be Lone Peak making another run at an, at a state title this year. They're very much loaded once again. Nate Ritchie is one of the names in terms of local high school recruiting that people are very familiar with. He's going to be a guy to keep an eye on all year long, just simply due to the fact that he can do it all, literally. <laughs> he kicks, he punts, he's a defensive back, he returns kicks, he returns punts. He does it all. I said on the podcast that Sean Walker and I host right here on the Zone Sports Network. Check it out. It's called Utah Preps Zone. I said on the podcast this past week that Nate Ritchie, in my mind, is the high school combination of Eric Weddle, uh, in terms of a Utah player, Eric Weddle did a lot for the University of Utah, and also a, kind of like a Kyle Van Noy down, down at BYU. can just pretty much do it all, and he's able to do it, affect the field of play from everywhere on the field. And that's exactly what he does. Um, some other notes to run down. Mountain View High School down there in Orm, my alma mater, actually got their first win over their in-city rival, intra-city rival Timpanogos, for the first time since 2014 with a 27-21 win. Deuce Anderson had two touchdown passes in that game. Uh, Peter Magawai had an interception return for Mountain View as they got that win first time since 2014 that the Bruins have beaten the Timberwolves in that showdown. A couple other run- games to run down for you before we get to some individual players I wanted to talk about. But Lehigh High School, 
Uh, Crimson Cliffs started out their program history by scoring the first touchdown of their game against Manti in Week 1, then summarily got beat 41-7. to Well, Lehigh had no mercy for them. Lehigh went to Crimson Cliffs and walked away 55-0 winners in this game. Lehigh was off to a fast start in this game, leading 31-0 at the end of the first quarter. Creighton Cooper, the younger brother of Washington State quarterback, Cameron Cooper, had a four-touchdown game in this. Got it started early, a 66-yard bomb to Jaden Greenwood, and the Pioneers were off and rolling. Uh, And then one other note for you in terms of games that took place last night I wanted to run down for you was American Fork and Timview. American Fork High School, of course, uh, graduated a lot of talent a year ago, but it looks like they're just kind of reloading. Maddox Madsen now takes over at quarterback for American Fork High School, threw for five touchdowns, four of them going to wide receiver Tanner Holden as American Fork pulled away in a 58-35 win over Timview. Pretty good showing for the Cavemen. They're going to very much be in the mix uh, for a state title this year once again. We'll see what they do. Of course, they'll have to face off against teams like Lone Peak, etc. to get through that. But I am interested to see how they perform this year, and it looks like they're off to a great start. Now, let's take a minute and talk about some of the other players that I felt like stood out this past week. Scotty Edwards, of course, the standout star for Olympus High School, had a great first week in their win over uh, over Mountain Ridge, one of the new schools here in state. Well, he followed it up in a 45-0 shutout of Granger for Olympus. Scotty Edwards rushed for a touchdown and added two more receiving touchdowns as Olympus rolled past Granger to improve to 2-0 on the season. Olympus has yet to give up a point this year. Uh, they've pitched two straight shutouts. Uh, Frankie Goodson had four touchdown passes for the Titans in that win, so congratulations to the to Olympus. But Scotty Edwards, if you're a local fan who wants to keep an eye on guys who are going to be Division One prospects, Scotty Edwards is one of those guys to keep an eye out for. Uh, Pleasant Grove High School quarterback Caleb Campbell had four touchdowns of his own. He threw three of them to Kale Mickelson as Pleasant Grove beat Maple Mountain 45-21. to Congratulations to Caleb Campbell. He takes over a program there at Pleasant Grove that has been led by Jake Jensen for the last couple of years, but appears that he is well on his way to really showing what he can do. Uh, Cade Bowering had a pair of fourth-quarter touchdown runs as Juab beat Cedar City 34-26. to Juab doesn't get a lot of love. They're one of the lower division teams that I really enjoy watching. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do this year. A good win over a 4A team in Cedar. The Reds came north to Juab thinking they could pull the upset, but uh, Juab sent them back to Southern Utah. Losers of a 34-26 to game there. And then also, uh, we need to talk a little bit about Morgan High School. Uh, Morgan High School, of course, is another lower division team that doesn't get a lot of love, but they're going to be a team this year in 3A that is going to, I think, Really surprise some people. Carter Thackeray is a name you guys need to pay attention to. A six foot four, one hundred and eighty pound senior. He's had two uh, great seasons already for Morgan, but he's off to a flying start this year. In his career, he has passed for three thousand one hundred ninety three yards and thirty six touchdowns. This season, though. Off to a really fast start. Uh, the first week, he passed for 162 yards and three touchdowns with an interception and a win over Grand. Well, this past weekend, Ogden went up to Morgan. Of course, Ogden had a big week one, and Jace Holt, their star quarterback, was the John Watson Northern Utah Player of the Week award winner for week one. Well, I think Carter Thackeray, I don't want to reveal anything, but I think he's going to be the guy this week for John Watson in terms of the pick for the Player of the Week because in a 46 nothing shutout, uh, Morgan absolutely dominated this game against the Ogden Tigers. 
Carter Thackeray went 22 of 29. That's a 75% completion percentage, almost 76%. Went for 309 yards and six touchdowns. An impressive, impressive performance for Carter Thackeray. And I have to say, if I'm not, if I'm making the pick, and I do, I am part of the committee that picks the John Watson Chevrolet Player of the Week award. I think Carter's probably going to be your odds-on favorite to be named that this coming week. So stay tuned for that. Of course, that is announced Wednesday mornings on Jake and Tony. Tony Parks will make the official announcement. That'll be coming up next week. So some of the players I really enjoyed watching, but Carter Thackeray is right there because he has just truly been an impressive player so far for uh, Morgan. And I would expect that Morgan, it's all systems go as they look to win a 3A state title. We'll see how they do this coming uh, weekend, but I really feel like they've got a big opportunity coming up to really stake claim to being one of the best teams in the 3A ranks for uh, one of the best teams in 3A ranks, plain and simple. One other player to mention for you, but it's kind of old news with what this young man does each week, Bryson Barnes down at Milford High School. Uh, Milford, of course, probably the 2A favorite to win the state title in back-to-back years. Bryson Barnes had five touchdown passes as Milford Milford blew out Gunnison 46-8. Barnes is a guy who's going to go over 10,000 yards for his career at some point this coming season for Milford. He's been a truly impressive athlete. Milford's very much out of the way. I'm not going to say that you guys need to drive out to Milford, but if you guys want to watch one of the best athletes in this state, regardless of division or level of play, Bryson Barnes is worth the price of admission alone because he is just a master at what he does in that offense. He goes for five touchdowns regularly in these games, and it's... (laughs) It's impressive to watch what he does for Milford because, let's be real, Milford, Utah, who thinks of Milford, Utah when you think of great high school football players in this state? And I I don't mean any disrespect to Milford, plain and simple. But it is out of the way. You have to get off I-15. you got to drive an hour and a half out to Milford, it feels like. But if you're looking to make a road trip, you want to watch one of the best high school football players you maybe have never even heard of in your life, Go to Milford this year and watch, uh, not Carter Thackeray, watch Bryson Barnes play football for the Tigers. Uh, they won the 1A title this past this past year in 2018, of course, when the whole new realignment happened with the uh, High School Football Association. They decided to get rid of the 1A division. It's now 2A, which Milford will compete in, and I would expect that Milford is probably your odds-on favorite to win the 2A title. I'm guessing that Beaver will have something to say about that down the road here in the season. But Bryson Barnes, man, if you're looking to make a trip to watch uh, watch high school football, like you want to just go see a random game, you're like you're thinking, hey, I want to go see a game and watch a player who's really impressive. Go see Bryson Barnes play. I would very much encourage that. All right, uh, so yeah, there you go. Some of my thoughts on the players of the week and also looking forward to the next week. I wanted to run down real quick, just kind of looking ahead to next week. There's some big games because region play starts in Region 1 and Region 9 next week. Uh, these are two of the bigger regions in the state. Of course, these are two regions that have very much been powers in recent years. Region 1 is very interesting to me because you have games like Fremont at Roy, Layton at Syracuse, and Northridge at Davis. I'm interested to see how those three games play out. But then going down to Region 9 down there in southern Utah, you have eight teams in this region. You've got some traditional powers and some upstarts. Crimson Cliffs, one of the new high schools here in the state of Utah, uh, looking to stake claim to things. They have a big opportunity against Canyon View. The biggest showdown in Region 9, in my mind, though, is Dixie at Desert Hills. Uh, The Dixie Flyers off to a good start this season. Desert Hills has been one of the powers since their school opened just a few years ago. 
and we'll see what happens with that. But then Pineview, we already talked about McLeod Croton and what he's done early. He could put up some hurt on Cedar City coming up this coming weekend. Of course, we'll track it all for you on the Utah Prep Zone podcast. Uh, proud to be part of the Zone Sports Network. So stay tuned for that. Sean Walker and myself will have your full preview edition coming out later in the week. But excited to have uh, high school football back in our lives. That's the biggest thing. I love high school football. It's something I've really enjoyed over the years. And I'm looking forward to seeing what these kids can do this season because with the new 6A, 5A, and 4A alignments, you have a lot of power in the 6A and 5A ranks, but 4A very much wide open. I'm interested to see how kind of that vacuum in 4A when it was created with Aura moving up to 5A, how that how it's filled by other teams in the 4A ranks, and we'll see how it all shakes out. So there you go. Some of my thoughts on Week 2 in Utah High School football action. We'll take our penultimate timeout here on the show, come back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about a guy that some uh, – NBA and Utah Jazz fans are probably aware of that passed away this past week. A guy who I think deserves as much as anybody some of the love and respect that Utah Jazz fans have given to guys like Jerry Sloan. We need to talk about another guy who deserves that same type of respect coming up next, right here on the Saturday Show. The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show right here on The Zone Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on a Saturday afternoon. Wrapping things up here, we're going to turn it over to the – to the movie zone coming up next. Uh, Adrian and Austin will be with you talking movies right here on the Zone Sports Network. They do a great job, by the way. If you don't listen to that show, I would highly recommend it. It's actually one of my favorite shows to listen to on the Zone. They just, they and most movie shows are they're, they're critics and they're supposed to rip movies to shreds. They're just two guys love talking about movies, and that's what I love about it. But uh, that'll be coming up next. Wanted to take a minute here though and talk about a guy who uh, many people here on the Wasatch Front neither. I don't know about his connection to the Utah Jazz, maybe, or the NBA at large, but a guy who is a huge figure, both in my career, as just well as a guy in the NBA, and that is Tom Nisalki. Uh, passed away at the age of 87 on Thursday. When I got my start in the business here in radio, I was an intern at the old 1320, working with jazz broadcast, David Locke and the crew, and Coach Nisalki at that point was one of the pre-half and post-game uh, guys working with Scott Gerard, and that season spent working with Coach Nasalki will forever be with me because he was just a great guy. A former NBA and ABA Coach of the Year, uh, he had two kids, daughter Holly and son Tom, who uh, who have survived him. His wife uh, preceded him in death by 13 years. Nasalki's lived here in Salt Lake long after he stepped away from coaching. He spent time here. He loved living here. You'd see him out and about in the community all the time, but when I worked with Coach Nasalki, he never failed to offer me a Sunday from McDonald's that I recall. And he'd always say, hey, guy. And he would just ask you, hey, are you, are you hungry or whatever? And he was just that type of a guy. He won an NBA championship with the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that was led by uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Oscar Robinson back in the 1970s. Uh, he coached in the ABA, the NBA. He was the first head coach of the Utah Jazz when they moved here to Utah in 1979, 40 years ago. And a guy who, plain and simple, was a legend. 
and I'm going to miss him. I'll freely admit that. Uh, Tom Nasalki, always kind. I uh, never had a bad word to say about anyone, I felt like. Always went about his business in the right way. Great stories. Uh, I loved his stories. Uh, he had he coached in 879 professional games. Uh, he's a guy that uh, really just enjoyed sports. He watched a ton of NBA. Uh, made for great radio because he watched the entire league. It was his life. He loved basketball. That's all he did, plain and simple. And it, and he was one of the most knowledgeable analysts I have ever known. Didn't have necessarily the best radio voice, but he always made up for it with his stories and his analysis of the current game and also looking back in the history because guess what? This guy coached around the best in NBA history. He got to know them. He knew stories about them. He had so many things to tell about his time in the NBA, working with guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Oscar Robertson. Uh, He just, man, plain and simple, Rest in peace, Coach. It was a blast to get to know you, and thanks again for all of the great stories and great times on the radio. And I just wanted to take a minute and talk about a legend I think that fans here in Utah and the NBA at large need to recognize and say a prayer for his family. All right, will you do that for me? All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Saturday Show. I want to thank everyone who was involved with it. Brian Brown and Eric Jensen behind the glass. Adrian Leiser, my co-host here on the show each week. And thanks to you, the listeners, who've tuned in. It's been a blast to do this show each and every week right here on the Saturday Show. And we'll be back next week. We'll be talking whatever happens in the week. Of course, we'll have BYU in Utah, that game in the books, as well as Utah State at Wake Forest. So stay tuned for that coming up next week right here on the Saturday Show on the Zone Sports Network.